Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to The Salty Pastor. My name is Jesse Mayer, your host and the creative dire- arts director here at Foothills Christian Church, located in beautiful Boise, Idaho. Beautiful. Now, uh, each and every week we come to you in this podcast in order to help you understand what is going on in this world and how the Bible speaks to it directly. Dr. Douglas Peak is with us as the Salty Pastor. <laughs> well, greetings, everybody. And I'm salty, not because I'm rude. I'm salty because we're supposed to be seasoning, seasoning. like salt into the world. Salt of the earth, yes. Salt of the earth. But sometimes you are a little salty <laughs> on the other side, too. Yes, yeah, so sometimes I can overdo it. It's all right. So we are currently in a series titled Essential. This is our last week in our series of mm-hmm. Essential. And we are asking a simple question that is this. What does God consider to be essential? The answer to that question is found in the book of Ephesians. Our entire study has revealed that you are essential because you were at the center of God's cosmic plan. Your faith is essential because it's the door that opens your life to the grace of God. Your marriage is essential. Your family is essential. And discipleship is essential. This final week is how your mission in life is essential. Every person must have a purpose because if you don't have a purpose in your life, you will have no meaning and no reason for existence. Yeah, that's very true. I don't think people really think about this a lot, but it's really important to understand. And that is meaning is the foundation for life. And if you don't have a sense that your life is purposeful or has meaning or you can't have any value, sense that I'm, I, I have any value, meaning is the foundation of joy. It's, it's impossible to experience full joy in your life without meaning. It's uh, the foundation for fulfillment. It is actually the context in which you experience love and you can get love. If you want to understand what real authentic love is, not just a self-centered or narcissistic type of love, then meaning is critical to embracing that. Friendships all flow from the fountain and purpose of of the purpose in life. So it's like this, the seed bed, the, the planter bed in which all of this stuff grows is meaning and purpose. It's the fountain and everything else flows out of this essence of meaning or purpose in life. So it seems to me that particularly in people, my age and my generation, the millennials, good or bad, (laughs) however you feel about them. Gotta love um, those millennials. How, it seems like fewer and fewer of us are having any real meaning in our lives. I mean, we're part of the most affluent country mm-hmm. in the world right now. And how is it that even though we have so much, it seems like we have so little direction and purpose and drive in our lives? Well, I, I'll just be direct. And that is, is that, you know, my heart goes out to millennials because you've been lied to. You've you've been lied to and you don't realize how you've been deceived. And I, I speak in general terms because inside millennials you have, you know, uh, there's a guy who studies millennials. He says there's uh, mega millennials, these people that are just sharper than a, a you know, they just awesome, awesome achievers and everything. Super successful. And then you have me millennials. And these are people that are just locked in their own despair. And. So I'm speaking in generalities and probably to all people, but to millennials in in particular is that you were lied to as a whole generation. And when you're lied to by uh, the values propagated in your public education system of how you were raised, 
when you're lied to by your politicians, when you're lied to by your so-called cultural leaders, the priests and prophets of this society, secular society, when you are lied to with the propagation of values and principles and morality in media and through Hollywood, uh, it's not shocking or surprising to me that so many people lack meaning and purpose. It breaks my heart to see that they bought it. Because I see in myself how when I was younger, I tended to believe some of that. And it wasn't until I really understood God's truth that it was able to set me free from that. And so the bottom line is, is right now in our world, it's so divided. It's so becoming more violent. It's becoming more divisive. uh, uh, Is because we are reaping the ideas and philosophies and worldviews that were seeded into our society 40 and 50 years ago. These ideas and philosophies were adopted first by Hollywood and culture. It then went into some of our government agencies. It then permeated our university system. And now it is the predominant philosophy taught in public education today. And these, uh, philosophies that are being taught these ideas where we are now reaping the outcome of these things are almost exactly the same as what was introduced to the church in the first century and that was called gnosticism now we've discussed um some of these philosophies before on the podcast maybe Mm -hmm. you could just uh, do a brief overview and point them out again. Well, postmodernism in our culture today is the predominant philosophy. We are no longer a based on modernism or modernity is another way to rephrase it. Uh, in the first century, it was Gnosticism. Uh, today, postmodernism basically means that there is no meta narrative. There is no basic truth. There's no objective truth. And the only thing that matters is your narrative. And this is very popular. Oprah Winfrey's talked about it a lot, how she says, you know, it's your truth. You need to discover your truth. And on the surface, you think, oh, how enriching that is to individuals to tell people that, you know, I want to validate you and say that what you're experiencing is true, which revelation does that. But what is what they do is they say it's not just what you're experiencing is true but how you interpret and how you think the world works and everything and how you believe it should work is just as valid as any other idea out there because guess what there's no good idea well you start taking that to its logical conclusion and that doesn't work anywhere in any situation and it creates division not unity. It creates hatred, not love. It creates judgment, not tolerance. And that's where all of the horrific things throughout all society and human history have come from is, is these types of ideologies. And in the first century, it was Gnosticism. And Gnosticism was very similar. I think postmodernism is just a basic take on Gnosticism. The Apostle Paul, when he wrote in the New Testament, he predominantly wrote his letters focusing on the New Covenant as opposed to the Old Covenant and how the New Covenant of grace supersedes it and what that means and it looks like. And then he got into what are known as the pastoral letters, and this is what he wrote to Titus and what he wrote to Timothy in 1 and 2 Timothy. However, uh, the Apostle John and the Apostle Peter they wrote predominantly to counter the influence of Gnosticism. 
Peter's more about the suffering that they were going through. And John, in particular, his first, second, and third letter, right before the book of Revelation, was all a refutation of Gnostic thought and belief because it had come into the church like crazy. It was burning through the church. It was burning through it. And so he wrote that as a refutation. And But what Paul wrote, and particularly here in Ephesians, laid the foundation for the Apostle John to argue so effectively against it. And uh, what happened is the church, through persecution, was able to purify their commitment to the revelation of God. And Gnosticism, of course, fell aside. As a matter of fact, most people, when you say Gnosticism, their first response is, well, what is that? I know know? that was the first time, (laughs) first thing I reacted when we brought it up on the podcast. Yeah, but in the first and second century, it was massive. It was a massive movement. It was huge, but it's basically fallen on what historians call the ash heap of history. And so people forget about it. So the predominant difference between uh, Gnosticism and what Paul and John and Peter addressed is is the difference between Gnostic thought and biblical worldview thought. Uh, Gnostic worldview is how do you personally know what is true? In other words, when I look at something and I go, wow, that's truth. And how do I come to that conclusion, I guess? And there are, there are large people today in America who are postmodern and young people have been taught to think this way. And here's what's so, what's so difficult to understand and why we're reaping this and why I feel so bad for millennials and say you were lied to is because it wasn't what you were taught. It was how you were taught to think. So if you can only think in a certain way, it doesn't matter if facts or or information or data changes, you end up with the same philosophical conclusion, the same type of outcome. And so in order to be free of that and find meaning and purpose in your life, you have to be taught a new way to think. And that is really difficult to do when you're in your mid to late 20s. It's extremely difficult to do. And I feel so bad for all of these millennials who were lied to and now you're they're living these lives that are empty it's devoid of meaning they they have they don't have any sexual intimacy or even know what that is they have no soul intimacy with anybody else they friends and community is so important to them but they have no idea what it actually is how to find it and how to create it I mean, and all this is because these ideologies of, of uh, postmodernism were seeded into our culture and people were taught to think this way. And so now people think this way and are unable to realize why their lives are so devoid of meaning and purpose. So at its core, postmodernism robs us of our core and our ability to know and believe our lives have meaning. Yeah, it, it does. It does. Postmodernism always leads to despair. It's a way of thinking that always leads to despair. And I don't think this is too hard to understand why it does it. And when your premise becomes, guess what? The only way to know something is true is within yourself. And by the way, words don't mean anything. Words only mean what you want them to mean. That's, it's your truth. Don't let anybody tell you what your truth is. 
in my opinion, is the most hateful, deceptive thing you could ever tell a person, you know. Um, and you know this is true. You don't feel good. You go see a doctor and the doctor runs some tests and the tests come back, and say, well, you got you got cancer. You got leukemia. OK. And the doctor comes in and says, well, this is what the tests are saying. And then you say, well, I don't care what the tests say because that's not my truth. And so the doctor says, you're right. You don't have it. Just magics it away. And and yet that's what that's what people in our world do today with love. You know, how come I can't find love? Please. Why? Why can't I find intimacy? Why do I feel used sexually by guys? Why is it that I can't find a woman who understands me and respects me? I say, well, here's what love is. No, it's not. It's not that. It's this, you know, it's when I feel hot and bothered by some sexy guy or sexy girl no that's not revelation that's not what revelatory truth says well you're wrong okay at that point i or nobody else can help you because you're deceived you have a way of thinking and even though the facts change like the girls change or the guys change you always end up with the exact same result a broken heart and eventually you just quit caring um, so one of those things I think is really important is is understanding the difference between how we know what is true and how we don't know is true. Because when you believe that words mean nothing or you can make up their own meaning, then ideas become a, a figment of your imagination. There's no revelatory truth. And so it unanchors, it cuts loose your soul from any foundation. There is a direct correlation in the late 1800s to the rise of chemical dependency is mostly alcohol and nihilism, meaning despair, is the natural outcome of postmodern thinking today and why so many people are addicted to opioids, alcoholism. All these things have gone up and up and up. Everything else in, in society has been going down. Death by cancer, death by heart disease, death by infectious diseases. All these things have been going down, 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 down. Up until recently, uh, uh, violence in our society has been going down, 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 down. But the things that have been going up are opioid abuse, chemical abuse, addictions, and suicide. So there's no natural explanation for this. There's no secular humanist explanation for this. There's no atheistic explanation for this. Uh, when people who work with those who are dealing with suicidal tendencies, it all comes to the same conclusion. You're taught the same thing in that the primary issue is these people have no hope and they have no hope because they can find no reason to continue on. There's no purpose in living another day. There's zero purpose in it. The pain of life supersedes any reason for life. And that's why postmodernism always leads to despair. And this is called nihilism. And that is, is that you've taken away everything and there's nothing to believe any more. And so conversely speaking, a biblical worldview is the exact opposite. It is the power of revelation in that it is the power of life, not biological life, but life, life. The power of revelation is the power of emotional life, mental life, sentient life. Postmodernism removes all rational basis for human existence, and therefore it removes the rational basis ultimately for any human value. 
Consequently, if postmodernism continues to take root in our culture and grow, then we are removing any and all rational basis for human determination, human free choice or free will. You have no right to be free from violence. You have no right to anything. This is the ultimate basis for hatred, for violence, destruction, and that's why it's evil. It's just pure evil. And yet the public education system has taught children to think in this way for the last 50 years. And then they go to university and they get a double dose of it, a postmodern thinking, paradigmatic construct that says think in this way. So the, 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 the hard part about this is you may be able to find some value intrinsically within yourself and your own life. However, this is like climbing Mount Everest. And it's like, look, I did it. But in the end, what's the point? Mm. You know, what's the point? You, you did it. So what? The only point is the ability to say I did it. Oh, I tested my limits and did it. But everyone else looks on and says, I can't do that. And that just propagates despair. This is why postmodern thought always ends up in despair. It always ends up in depression. It always ends up in anxiety and death. And the, the thing that millennials... Uh, report more than anything else is they are the generation with the highest reported levels of anxiety out of any generation that they have ever understood or tracked. And the reason why is because of postmodernism. So it really comes down to this intrinsic lack of a purpose or desire based on what we've been taught, how the culture has shaped our thinking. But Ephesians 3 gives us an example of how we should be living. It's about our mission in life and about Paul's mission in life and dis- which he discovered through revelation, not through evolution. So how does revelation differ in us knowing we matter? Well, in the first century, Gnosticism was very similar to postmodernism, and it was basically, okay, whatever your truth is. And as long as you believe it strongly enough or feel it strongly enough, then it must be true. So in the first century, this was Gnosticism. And at its core, Gnosticism was how you know something is true. And so it shifted the knowing of what's true from revelation of what God proclaimed to us in Jesus Christ. Or in science world, that would be called an objective truth to intrinsic, self-centered knowing. Therefore, in Gnostic thought, just like postmodern thought today, your narrative is the most powerful thing in your life. And the truth is, uh, uh, is in, re- well, let me say, I got to back up just a, ch- a titch because I want to say this right. I want to be careful. In Revelation, the truth is objective first. Okay. In postmodernism, your experience becomes paramount. But in revelatory truth or biblical worldview perspective, objective truth becomes paramount. So uh, the similarities today in postmodernism is that words today mean only what you want them to mean. So we've seen this in the way our society rewrites the meaning of words and as a matter of fact uh in the book 1984 george orwell predicted this and and now it's all becoming true even more and more but basically since 
words don't have any intrinsic meaning or objective meaning. It's whatever meaning I associate with it. And there's a large group of people who resonate with this because words that are used today in society are designed to elicit an emotion as opposed to elicit an objective truth. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Tracking with that? Absolutely. So that's the goal in postmodernism. And it says that um, in it says in uh, Corinthians and then it says it in Ephesians chapter six is that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and principalities of this present darkness. Um, our weapons of warfare are divinely inspired for the destruction of fortresses. Well, what are these fortresses? What are these things? It's these ideologies. It's these thoughts. It's these philosophies. Paul says, don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophy or cunning words. And so, okay, these are words that have been reinterpreted, reused. And the reason why Gnosticism was so... Uh, infectious in the early church is because what they did is they took words like Jesus, resurrection, uh, Lord's Supper or communion, uh, prayer, and they reinterpreted them all. They just gave them new meanings. Just redefined Yeah, them. they just redefined it. You know, oh, Jesus wasn't the son of God. Jesus wasn't God who came to us. No, he was just one of many manifestations of the, the blah, 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 blah. And they would just go on and on and on. As a matter of fact, the first five heresies of the early church all focused on the nature and being of Jesus Christ. So I find that really fascinating. And that shows you why Gnosticism was always said, well, yeah, we believe in Jesus. Well, what Jesus did you believe in? You right. know, and that was the problem. They, they had given so many varieties that it, yeah. it really muddied the waters because yeah. they were that. And that was their intention was that they wanted to, change the variations and make it unclear so that that truth was hidden basically yeah and you see that today particularly in our world today is that well jesus is this you know i can't tell you over the last year jesse how many articles i've read where people you know they pick a clickbait title but it just goes to show how this has infected our culture so much jesus was a communist jesus was a socialist Jesus was a Democrat. Jesus was a Republican. <laughs> Jesus was, you know, Jesus was this. Jesus was that. Jesus was a radical revolutionary. Jesus was Che Guevara. Jesus was, you know, Marxist. Jesus was this. Jesus was that. And it just keeps coming down the pike, and I just want to scream off the top of my head, shut up! <laughs> you know, and that's why I say, look, if you want to know the truth, you got to change the way you think. And so you got to say, Jesus is none of those things. Jesus is the Messiah. Okay? And I have to, that's where it has to start. Because Gnosticism at its core says that you can make up your own truth, and that's what everybody is doing with Jesus. And so they just reinterpret all the terms. And Jesus don't play that game at all. And so we fight these spiritual forces of evil. We fight these perspectives by holding on to the revelation. And when you study chapter three of Ephesians, and we did this on Tuesday in the uh, podcast, is that revelation uh, or chapter three, Paul says, I found my purpose in life because it was a revelation given to me. And so God came in and gave it to me. And what most people do is they interpret that as saying, oh, so God's going to tell me whether I should be a doctor or a lawyer or a computer scientist for this company. No, that's not what Paul said. Paul said the revelation of God came to me in my salvation. 
So when I became saved, the way I thought was totally turned inside out. And I was able to embrace God's gracious work in my life. And now because of that work, I understand what my mission in life is. So purpose in life is derived from God's revelation that he died on the cross to save your sins. Therefore, when people use words that are meant to appeal to your feelings and experience, you should always, always be suspicious of that. So I guess the question is, is there any way as a millennial, what should I be doing to change my thought process? Is there a way to kind of counteract some of this uh, indoctrination that we've been suffering? Or is it just by consistently reading the word and really focusing on what God has done in our lives and that will help us kind of reshape and stop thinking about, you know, relative truths, but really hard, Mm -hmm. factual, Mm -hmm. biblical truths. Is that, well, there's a couple things is, is that millennials, uh, uh, even some baby boomers, Gen Xers, Gen Xers are this way. Millennials are this way. Gen Z is not so much this way. Uh, and I think it's just because, the despair you can't live with, but uh, millennials uh, became deconstructionists. That's you were taught to be a deconstructionist. That is basically you're skeptical of any truth. You know, throw the baby out with the bathwater. <laughs> yeah, you're you could be a deconstructionist. You can you just if I can find a little problem, I can reject it. And so if that's your reflex and that's the way you've trained to be thought, you're always going to come up with the the conclusion that nothing's worth believing. So I can't believe anything. Well, there's a deception in that. Okay. Cause what you end up is creating your own reality, your own truth. Right. Right. And the real world comes and smacks you in the face like a ton of bricks and it just doesn't work. And so what I, ha- I think the best way to get over your, uh, a tendency to be a deconstructionist is, is to tell yourself God's right. And I'm not. God's right and I'm not. I think that's the best place to start. Because right now, anytime a person who's been trained in deconstructionism or it's the way they think, you come to something in the Bible or you come to something revolution, uh, revelation that's revelatory, you read it and you say, I don't like that. I just don't like that. And so you try to figure out a way to, to not to not believe get down it. Yeah. so that you don't have so to. So that you don't have to believe it, yeah. So, uh, y- y- you know, I... I Okay, when it comes to my sexuality, you know, God's wrong and I'm right. You know, I, my desire, my sexual desire, my sexual preference is is uh, towards people in this way. And it may be people of the same gender or it may be uh, polyamory. It's like multiple people. I can't, I, I'm, you know, we're not designed to be monogamous, which I think is hilarious because the people who say that are deconstructionists and from their very premise they point out a horrendous hypocrisy because if you're a deconstructionist and there is no truth, then when you say we're not designed to be monogamous, you're making a absolute truth truth statement, statement. (laughs) which can't be believed. And of course, people who are emotionally tied to want to be, have sex with lots of people, they are, their emotional state goes, yes, that's right. But their brain in the back of them says, wait a second, that's a contradiction. 
right? Isn't that a contradiction? Right. And so, so then you, you, that's why, that's where anxiety comes from is when your emotional heart and your, your thinking head are living incongruent, they're out of sync. And so that's where all this anxiety and depression comes from. And so what's happening, I think, is that what millennials have to do is realize I've been taught to think a certain way. I must think a different way. And the way to start is this. God's right. I'm not. And here's what's really fascinating is this will start to unravel despair out of your life. Because here's why. You know where God starts? God, God doesn't start with, oh, you're wrong in per- the sexuality you're pursuing. God doesn't start with, oh, you're a drug addict and you should feel guilty about it. Oh, you drink too much. Oh, you're arrogant and selfish. God doesn't start there. You know where God starts? No matter how hard you try, you can't save yourself. Only I can. And I love you so much that I came and died for you. I, God starts with love. That's where he begins. You know why you can't find love is because you're thinking about it in the wrong way. You know why you can't find deep lasting friendships and connections because you're thinking about it in the wrong way. You know why you can't find community because you're thinking about it in the wrong way. You know why your life is filled with anxiety and pain and loss and grief because you're thinking about it in the wrong way. What you need to understand is that you are at the center of my cosmic plan. That you have value, not because of what you think, not because of what you do, not because of what you've accomplished. You have value because I created you. So you have value there. So, see, oh, when you hear that, don't you want to say, oh, I'd much rather believe God than myself. Because what I'm telling myself right now, if you could hear my internal dialogue, it's not so healthy. Yeah. Right? So it starts there. And, And then once you can embrace that, and then God says, okay, now... Guess what? Your faith is essential. Your faith. Let me tell you what your faith is. Not what you think it is, but let me tell you what your faith is. And when you start grabbing a hold of that and embracing that, it starts to unravel. Oh, my goodness. You know what? I'm trying to find my identity in money. I'm trying to find my identity in relationships. I'm trying to to define my identity by my achievements and success. Wow. that's I'm putting my faith in things. I'm not putting my faith in Christ. So you, you can't do that unless you embrace the revelation. Then you start to get to harder stuff in the Bible where God says, yeah, I, I, I feel this way about that. And I feel this way about the marriage bed. And I feel this way about relationships. And I feel this way about forgiveness. And I feel this way about generosity and, and uh, tithing and all of these types of things. And you get to them and you go, God's right and I'm wrong. And when you can walk that path, you start to discover truths and freedom that you never, ever could experience. But my heart goes out to Gen X and baby boomers and uh, millennials and Gen Zers. Uh, That's a nice way or or just a, a, a long way of saying it goes out to everybody who has been deceived to think a certain way in our society and culture. And it's destroying their lives. And you know what else is destroying? It's destroying our society. Mm. You know, there, there was a time in, in American society where the predominant ethic was a biblical worldview that started to end in the 40s. And then it was destroyed in the 60s and 70s. And then it became ensconced 
across the board in the 90s and now we're seeing an entire generation that have been raised on that because it used to be in our in our body politic was we basically want the same things we just approach it from different angles you know there's a two-party system democrats and republicans and it was just kind of like well they kind of basically want the same way they argue over the you know the route to get there right you know what's the best that was it but today what what the two groups want are diametrically opposed so the goal now is in in politics is pure power it's who can get a hold of the power so they can force it on the other 50 percent now people who play the short game you know they pick a side and they go oh guess what you know my side's gonna win and we're gonna force all these people you know to do what we say and then the other side says well we're gonna do everything we can so we can force it down and now what you have is you have people um saying that because the power is so important violence is okay lying cheating doing anything is okay so long as my side wins and if my side wins then i can force them on everybody else and i'm like okay guess what you've just destroyed in that approach any social agreement right so all so what you were doing is you were setting the foundation for war and i prophesy that civil war will come if our country pursues this path over and over again because this is exactly what happened in the civil war people people think first of all people are not taught the actual philosophical uh, framework which caused the civil war right but what it, what it basically did is you had a position from two different groups that were diametrically opposed there is no compromise and so they went to war and it's not just in america you look everywhere in every place where there's war and you basically have two intractable positions <laughs> and that's always a philosophical impetus it's the seedbed for where war comes from so you know if we can't as a people turn this around then we should as it says in the scripture you know prepare for war because it's coming well that seems like a cliffhanger to leave on but i think we're actually at the end of our time for today oh, so goodness. we're going to have to expound on that at a later point so um thank you guys so much for joining us it was i love getting to sit here and pick pastor doug's brain <laughs> um and let him impart such wisdom on us um make sure you guys tune in the sunday pastor doug's finishing up our essential series you're not going to want to miss out on that and then next week we are starting hashtag blessed which will be a great series about seeing your blessings despite all of the terrible Pain things in, in your life world, yeah. so thank you guys so much for joining us make sure you leave a review um share this with people you care about because they need to know that they need to change the way they're thinking if they really want to live and have um, fulfilled yes, lives. Yes. So thank you so much, and we will see you guys on Sunday. All right, blessings.